everyone, and welcome to the Traceability Podcast. Today, our guest is Judy Alter. Judy is a longtime BA, BA leader, consultant, trainer, and presenter. You've seen her at the IIBA conference, and she is also a huge fan of the University of Nebraska Cornhuskers, which uh, pains me to say because I grew up in Iowa. So (laughs) welcome, Judy. We're happy to have you here. Well, thank you. You didn't tell me that piece of information. (laughs) (laughs) So what we typically do here is we just kind of go back to the beginning and sort of talk about uh, your career. And and, uh, I'd love to hear how you got your start as a BA. Okay. Well, I started at Mutual of Omaha in 1984. And of course, in those days, the word business analyst or even project manager didn't really exist. Neither. And in fact, in that building, at least, there were no computers. As it went on, I spent a decade in claims and a decade in policy owner service. And then we went through a very painful reorganization where I lost, I got demoted and it was not deserved at all. And I, uh, lost a five-figure amount of salary. And so nine months later, I became a a business analyst. And I was familiar with the area because I was the person in the business requesting that they do this project and that project. And and I knew some of the officers through uh, our golf league. And so I became a business analyst and uh, it was just really something that was meant to be. And it's a good example of how something good comes out of something bad. So I uh, went along and about four years later, our city, actually one of my bosses at Mutual of Omaha was involved in it, but they formed an IIBA chapter. And the initial meeting was held at Mutual of Omaha. So if you had business analyst in your title, you didn't want to miss that meeting. And I, I kind of enjoyed it and got involved with the chapter and then worked on our many of our conferences. And I actually became president and I was president for four years. I really didn't set out to be president, but one night we, uh, we always had a bag stuffing meeting for the uh, conference so that you were ready, you know, before you got to the site. Well, It actually was a good excuse to party, but we did get the job done, too. And so I asked the current president if she was running that next year because I knew that her office was up for re-election. And she said, I think you better ask Nikki about that. And I said, Nikki? And Nikki said, no, you're going to be our next president. I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> and and so I, I I really, you know, I enjoyed it. I mean, it's like running a, a uh, your CEO of a small business that you do at night and on the weekends and you don't get paid for it. But you gain invaluable experience. And um one of the things is the people you meet. And that's what I really wasn't anticipating or thinking about was meeting some people who have become really good friends. And so then as I was about ready to leave the office of president, I started thinking to myself, what, what do I want to do next? You know, I just don't want to sit around and do nothing. Well, um, I got an email one day from uh, Heather Milan Mains, and she goes, could we talk tomorrow? What time could I call you? 
And within seven days, I had become the uh, Central Region Regional Director. I, I later found out some years later that it was her and Jen Batten together that kind of cooked up that idea. So I was that for about two years. And then at the time, Jared Goray was over the, uh, it was called the VCN then. And uh, he got hired by IIBA. And so after a few months, he obviously couldn't do, you know, both things. So I ended up becoming what we renamed it the the day they decided to appoint me. And it's now called the GCC, which is the Global Chapter Council. So I am over the group that actually oversees all the chapters. My IIBA involvement and why I talk about that first is because that really made me a much better BA than I would have ever been. Uh, I was known for my leadership, my mentorship, but one of the things that I really pride myself on is that I'm a people person and I definitely lead with my heart. And when you're, when you have to sit down and elicitate, elicit requirements from a group who might be in disagreement or who really don't know what they want or who are trying to tell you what they need. You need to be able to really take control of the room and handle them in a way that's that's good. You know, you have to be you have to get to know them as people. And once you do that, then they kind of look at you differently. And uh, my IIBA involvement has just been an experience that is is just wonderful. It just uh, Getting, being able to do global strategic management is, is something that I, I didn't picture either. You know, I just, I really didn't picture all of this happening, but it's kind of unfolded, you know, in a way I didn't anticipate. As a BA, as you know, every day is different. You never know. You show up and you kind of have a to-do list and you get things together. And then as soon as it reaches the time of day when everybody's there, <laughs> there you are. Something happens and, you know, you go a total different direction. Or you get all the drive-bys and you're talking about six things in 10 minutes. And then you're like, where was I? What was I doing? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. But uh, through the years, I was I was very fortunate. I got to work on a lot of different projects. I was mainly on the side of uh, individual life insurance, and I supported the new business underwriting unit. But I was I was very lucky. Um, my experience from well, even claims and and policy owner service, especially. Um, really gave me a different view than some of the other people coming in as a business analyst because I was in the business. <laughs> but then but then when I when I got to the uh, business analyst area, I really got an opportunity to to uh, do a lot of different things and really affect change and make a difference. You know, that's that's the thing. In the last few years branched out into, I mainly worked on individual products for quite a few years, but then got into more of the, we started building some UIs and different things like that. And uh, went through all the different frameworks that exist from Waterfall, Kanban, Agile, Lean, <laughs> Scrum, <laughs> you know, Safe, uh, you know, and uh, really Safe was the one I enjoyed the most, which I really refer to as agile on steroids. You know, you need to go at the 
speed of light. But I always thought that back when we did Waterfall that those uh, 60, 80-page documents were just the biggest waste of time. You, you really just need to give your developers enough information to build what you need. That's, you know, we, we spent so much time and killed Lord knows how many forests. But, uh, you know, it just, uh, that's, that's just the thing. So that's why being a business analyst was so, you know, everything was so varied. And, you know, things were always changing. And most projects change. And that was one of the things I mentored and trained a lot of new BAs. And one of the things I am is I'm pretty calm and I don't get too high or too low usually. And I always tried to teach them that immediately because I said there's there's two occupations I can think of where you're just on a cycle of something's going to go wrong and it's like a roller coaster of emotions and you can't get caught up on that. And that is real estate and working on projects. There might be some others out there, but those are two that just you know, it's a constant up and down, up and down, up and down. And you just can't ride that wave or you'll never, you'll just be, you know, it's hard on your body, actually. <laughs> but uh, when I used to train and mentor the new BAs, I, I really taught them that lesson. I also taught them that when they got to writing a requirements document, that when they went to the walkthrough, that the feedback was for the document and that they were not their document, that it wasn't directed at them, but it was meant to be helpful. Uh, because I know when I first started being a BA and people were were going, you know, went to my first few walkthroughs, I thought, God, that's awful picky. Why do they even care? You know, because it didn't make any difference to me exactly how it was worded. Well, then I figured out maybe why they cared, but then I, I was like, okay, now I get it. And so I always made sure that was one of the things I told my trainees. The biggest satisfaction to me always is when you'd be teaching someone something and then you'd be going along and they would get it. They would finally get something that maybe wasn't coming easy to them. And when, when you're sitting there and you can see the light bulb go off on them, that, that was just always very fulfilling, you know, and, uh, it just, uh, it's just good to make a difference. And and that's what I do at IIBA. I think I make a difference. But the one thing that I bring to the table that a lot of people don't bring is my sense of humor. I just don't ever stop laughing because it's just life is too short to, to get upset about anything. And I just imagine the worst thing that's ever happened to me and okay, is what I'm about to get upset about. Is it better or worse? I haven't found anything worse. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I gauge everything. That's what I always try to tell people. So through this pandemic, I'm, I'm known as the one that's always putting a lot of silly junk on Facebook, but people are usually laughing and sharing. So I think it's doing the job, you know, some of them just get so wound up about things. That's a great perspective. And there's so much to really unpack in your story and, and what you've just talked about. But let's kind of dive into the pandemic a, a little bit, because I think there's a lot going on for folks right now. You obviously have a lot of it, have some experience with some career uncertainty and needing to pivot a, a little bit. 
as you kind of went through some of that career uncertainty and pivoting and what was kind of going on for you at the time? How did you sort of make the leap to, okay, this is the organization I want to stay in, but I'm willing to move into a different role and and grow there? Okay. I lived in Lincoln when I went to college and I stayed for a couple of years. It was the early eighties. There was a recession going on. Not much was going on, was happening job wise. And so I just stayed where I was. I had actually worked full time through college, so I already had a job. But then my mother became very ill. And so I was forced to move home because I was just constantly driving between Lincoln and Omaha. At one point, I finally just said, well, I'm just going to move home, even though I don't have a job. And I had been interviewing quite a bit in Omaha. And so I uh, kept looking every chance I had. And she was getting worse and worse. Then I finally got an interview at Mutual of Omaha. And it was for a very menial job. Um, The person that interviewed me, she goes, oh, you'd be a wonderful person, but I can't imagine you'd want to take this job. And I go, oh, yeah, I'll take it. That's fine. It was a pay cut to what I was earning. But I knew if I could get in the door, my education, and I knew I could work hard. And so after about six months of doing this menial little job, because ultimately my mom died like two weeks after I, I went to work at Mutual. And so, you know, things happened pretty quickly. It was kind of the mental rest I think I needed for a few months. And then I got a job and I, I kind of moved up through the claims ranks, but that wasn't really where I wanted to be. And then the policy owner service area kind of opened up. And so I went from uh, health claims where I was a disability analyst. And during those 10 years, I had been through several reorganizations and they called it everything, right sizing, you know, uh, realignment, reorganization. There was once where we had to reapply for all our jobs and we had to go through like three different interviews for these jobs. And that was just very painful. And then it was it was really messy because one of the VPs who was being eliminated wouldn't leave his office. And so the new person the new person wouldn't couldn't take over. So it was like, okay, this is cool. What was so weird about my situation even was this was like February and in June I was getting married. Now, I didn't get married till I was older, so it's, you know, it's a little different, you know, type of thing, but uh, it all worked out. I, I got a lateral. It seemed like every reorganization we had, I never got promoted, but I kind of just got a lateral, so that was fine, you know. And so um, I went through there, and then finally, about 10 years, after being in claims for 10 years, I, I went to policy owner service, and I went to a department um, called premium services, with, which worked in conjunction with policy owner services. And I got promoted there. I became a senior analyst, and, and things were going real good. And then there was an opportunity in policy owner service to become a specialist. And we went through a couple other reorganizations, which were kind of painful, but they were more kind of targeted toward people with production issues. But it was interesting because some of them, a security guard would just show up at their desk or some of them, they just, you know, can you come into the office, you know? And 
it it was just very interesting, you know, how they would do it. Or you'd go to lunch and you'd be like, where's so-and-so? Well, they got eliminated while you were gone. You know, it was just, it was just not a good thing. But so I, I stayed there almost 10 years. And then I, as I said, uh, we had a very painful reorganization. And what was, what was interesting about this whole affair in my case is that I had been selected to work on the project team that was helping to build this new organization. And so here I was, you know, putting everything, you know, working on things. And I was there for my product knowledge is what I was there for. But it was just very interesting that when it all was said and done, I ended up with the very painful demotion. And uh, at that time, we had to go through two more, two interviews for that one too. And so uh, I just, I knew at that point, I, I had been at Mutual 20 years at that at that point, and I said, you know, to myself, I, I need to interview outside of Mutual. But then as I interviewed with different jobs, I found that some of them that I was attracted to, the salary was much less than what my devoted salary was. And so I was like, okay. But then I, I finally got into the business, you know, the BA area. And I remember about a month after we, I actually, one of my boss actually moved with me to this, the business, uh, the BA area. She became a project manager and we ended up on the same team. And uh, about a month after we got there, the, the BA world had a reorganization and some people lost their jobs, but they did it in a total different way, which is much how I prefer it. <laughs> is nobody knew anything was going on and just certain, it wasn't a huge amount of people, but just a certain amount of people were called down to HR. And then after that, the entire division had a meeting. But we're, her and I were just so stunned. We, you know, we're still shell-shocked from what happened to us, you know. And it was like, ah, you know, we just kind of kept a low profile for a couple of days because we weren't sure how the, the team felt, you know, that some experienced people got let go. But it all worked out and, you know, it just, uh, it was, it was really exciting. And uh, I really had a, that was what I was meant to do. You know, how you just find what you know you're meant to do. Then I got asked to go to this project to help build a, a new user interface to the life system. And I remember I turned a shade of white that had not even been invented yet, you know, because here I was in my little product world, and, you know, okay. And I'm pretty flexible. I'm not, you know, just set in my ways. I, I hate the people that, you know, you ask my question, why do you do this this way? That's the way we've always done it. Just makes, oh, just makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I mean, it's like, ah, well, I, I kind of looked at my boss and it was a Friday. I'll never forget it. And I go, could I like tell you Monday? And he goes, well, they asked specifically for you. And I said, okay. Well, I knew at that point, no was not an option, but you know, I, and so I walked out of his cube and my one teammate goes, are you okay? And I go, I think so. <laughs> well, going to that project was one of the best things I ever did. And in fact, about a year later, the project director decided she was tired of BAs coming and going. And so she was going to hire her own team. 
Well, I applied for it. Ultimately, it was funny because the manager I worked for, he was pretty new to the company and we had a one-on-one and he said, well, the project's going to be over in October, right? And I go, well, I think it's more like December. And he goes, oh, okay, so then you'll be back. And I go, you know what? I don't think I want to come back. And he just kind of looked at me like, what did you just say? And I go, well, I'm going to apply for the job, you know? And I said, I, you know, I said, I, I don't know why I'd have to interview with Sandra. Oh, well, you know, that's company policy, you know? So <laughs> I applied for the job and she had been with the company like 30 some years. Well, when she got, the email that I had applied, she came running to my desk and she goes, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I was hoping you would apply. And I go, I really don't want to go through a dog and pony show and have an interview. And she goes, no, we're not doing that. She goes, I'll take care of it. I will give him the requisition so he can replace you. And, you know, it's just amazing how much you can get done with the right people in your network. And that's the other thing I had. I had a network so deep <laughs> from 35 years of, you know, uh, you know, it was, it was just always amusing how somebody would be mulling over something and they wouldn't know what it was. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Here, let me call him. You're just going to dial up? Yeah, I'm just going to dial them up, you know. I, I think I think sometimes people hide behind IMs and emails and, you know, you just pick up the phone and get it over with, you know. <laughs> that's that's the thing. And so then I, the project I worked on, ultimately it took four years. We were a little over budget, and a little over time, but the tool worked and, you know, so that was exciting. Yeah. Yeah, and then I got to build another tool for a uh, a uh, tool that was so old, it was unsupported software on unsupported hardware. So if it had blown up, no fixing it. And it was so old that we had to get Adobe 8 installed. And that was just back in 2017. And uh, it was terrible. And when we, when we got that, that was just a real, that was a feather in our cap. And so I was kind of spoiled because the first agile safe team that I was on, we were kind of like rock stars, but we had been through this other project, most of us together. And so I was kind of spoiled and, you know, that's, I saw, I saw the best and the maybe not so good of, you know. (laughs) So, yeah. So I, I think it's so interesting, you know, every career is sort of made up of choices your choices sort of lined up with staying with an organization for a very long time, but you also um, did what you needed to do to stay within the organization. And you, um, something that Heather Milan Mains talks about is saying yes to things. And, and um, because you weren't afraid to say yes, that took you on to some, some new opportunities and it, allowed you to um, maintain your your tenure within the organization. Right. And a lot of my BA friends always teased me. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we got a job opening, but we didn't call you because we knew you wouldn't come. <laughs> and I started laughing. But But then, you know, I did something that a lot of people didn't think I would do. And last August, I started thinking to myself, you know, I could probably pursue my passions about business analysis, particularly speaking, still have my position with IIBA, 
and also do mentoring, training, consult, you know, whatever. And I thought maybe I'll just kind of, you know, think about this and maybe pursue some things. And so I called uh, Seneca Waugh, who runs your Clear Next Step in Indianola. We've been friends for a long time. She started her business right before our chapter started. So we kind of grew up together. I told her, I go, you know, do you have anything going on? And so we um, agreed that I would do some virtual teaching. And so the the first thing that I've been doing for her um, is a six-part series on the human part aspect of the BA toolkit. And so I uh, went and told my uh, director in October, you know, I'm going to retire um, March 1st, but I'll be gone January 31st because I had enough vacation and personal days saved up. So she kind of looked at me and and she was she got really white and I couldn't figure out why. And this is a funny story. She goes, she she lives next door to one of my cousins who was very seriously ill a few years ago. And she thought something had happened to my cousin. So then I told her, oh, no, Jan's fine. I just saw her the other day. She's good. And and she goes, oh, good. And she's like, oh, wait a minute. Not good. You're leaving. And so you know, she, she kept teasing me. You're not going to change your mind, blah, blah, blah. And so they tease me now that I caused, you know, world devastation with the pandemic when I retired. But uh, it really gave me a chance. It, it's really given me a chance to think about doing different things and different things virtually. I just I just had my YouTube channel built. Now I have to Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Now I have to, you know, put up some things and I've been working on my website and I have a blog and uh you know, that sort of thing which some of it at times it kind of seems surreal. So, you know. But the pandemic really didn't scare me. It just gave me some different options. I I was accepted to speak at like three conferences this spring and they all of course are not happening. None of them decided to go virtual, but um, I know at least at two of them, I'm speaking next year. So hopefully in the spring, I'll be out and about doing something. So, you know, but it's just, it's brought new opportunities and had me think about it in a different way. And it, it really became apparent to me that, you know, you really need to, uh, think about what good will come out of something bad, no matter how horrific it is. But what I'm, the other thing I'm real passionate about is the BA as a leader. The BAs have to be a leader because really someone that's like in the middle of the company is, is in much better position to lead. The, the CEO, he has, he or she has so many interruptions. I mean, they have, you know, the board of directors, vendors, middle management, all these people just coming at them. And they, you know, sure, they control strategy and things, but they, they can't affect the day-to-day lives too much. But a good business analyst, they can take control and really think of things. What does that leadership sort of look like to you? Because I know... Some of the frustrations that I've had are that um, the BAs don't always get to be part of the project initiation. You know, the, the project is often decided on before analysis was done kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, or, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think sort of a lot of the decision making 
the BAs don't necessarily get to participate in. And so maybe speak about, well, okay, what does leadership look like then in those scenarios, I guess? I think that's a global problem because (laughs) I have gotten hopped into several projects where, okay, you need to go do this. And because you did this 10 years ago, you need to go do this. And I, I always tried to be very, I, I spoke my mind, but I, I made sure that if I was passionate about it, that, you know, I got that across, but I was always polite and I knew that sometimes I would be shot down, but we really affected some change in when we were doing product projects that after a, a while, we actually did get into the stage where they were maybe, it usually started with a business case and then maybe a prototype. And we would usually at least get in at the kickoff meeting, which was better than a lot of other things, you know. Better than nothing, for sure. Um, right. I can't say that I was ever a strategic BA because we never got in. The, you know, the, we just couldn't do that. That just wasn't part of what we did. You know, sometimes you're a victim of your own environment when you stay somewhere like that a while. Um, I don't think I suffered too bad. There, there's probably a couple things that I, I'm not really that skilled at that people of my level probably should be. But, you know, I'm skilled at other things. But leadership... You know, leadership is really not a job title. That's a great point. There are there are managers who are probably great leaders, but uh, usually a leader is somebody separate. And so I remember one of the, the last few teams I worked on, I worked with a couple of people who would probably be described as millennials. And they kind of had a, a we we had to reach an agreement on how things were going to be. And I think it took them a while to fully appreciate and understand what I could bring to the table. And, and by the same token, they taught me things that I didn't even know about certain tools and things because uh, one of them had been at another company and someone, the other person came from the area we supported. Well, with my assistance and mentoring, they both got promoted to a senior BA within about a year and a half. And that was exciting to me to, to know that I helped make a difference. And, and boy, we really rocked and, and got some things done. And uh, th- to me, that, that was what really pleasurable. And then I got to go to another team toward the end of my career where I had to help them. They, because they worked on a product line that was dealt with a third-party vendor, they um, didn't use quite as much technology as some people. So I got to affect some change there. And, and that was helpful, I think, both to both ends. But yes, you're right. It, most of my life I spent hopping in and out of projects. Um, where I worked, we did a lot of testing. And so sometimes I might be pulled in just to test. We didn't have separate testers. But when we got to the safe or the scaling agile or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> I'm not I'm not safe certified, so I shouldn't use the safe word. But you know how that goes. Um, <laughs> but a lot of times you you know there's that big agile myth. Oh, there's no documentation needed in agile. You know why wh- do you need BAs? Well, you know what, all of that is baloney. 
<laughs> you need BAs, you need business analysis. I mean, I guess I should get the term right there, but you also need some documentation, but it, you just don't need the 60 to 80 page Bible that we all used to write years ago. And, and that's what I really tried to get across to people was only give, you know, your developer what they actually need enough to know and that might be the picture of a of an icon on a page if you already have the tool built and you're just changing something that's all they need they need to know what it's supposed to do that they'll know how to code it you don't have to do that and and that was the number one thing i thought in our company was safe that was the first time they implemented something from the um top down and so it worked a lot better because there was consistency and we had agile release trains and we had, you know, release train engineers and the whole bit, the triangle and everything. Well, what they didn't quite do, and they, they were still working on it when I left, but uh, they, the culture, I don't think the culture of some of the people had changed enough. And, and some of the people were like, oh, I can't believe you just give that to your developer as a requirements document. I go, why? That's all they need. What am I going to tell them? Ten other things that make no difference? I mean, it has to be of value. What you give them has to have value. And that's what you have to deliver to your customer. You, you don't want to just sit there, oh, I, I, I closed like 12 stories this iteration. Well, yeah, but none of them were of any value. <laughs> you know? it's, it's outcome outcome, not output. And, uh, you know, the word fail, first attempt in learning. And a lot of people just would shake when I'd say that, because I was, I was very honest. If I made a mistake, I, I, I was accountable. I, I said, okay, yeah, it's my fault. Let's just figure out what we're going to do and get it corrected. And people were just stunned. Well, our director had a good philosophy. If something happened on something, it, whether it brought another department to a screeching halt or whatever it was, it wasn't that person's fault. It was the team's fault. So the team was accountable because somewhere along the way, somebody approved your document. And so that was, that was the thing, but I was, it, my, my situation was kind of odd where I probably had the best two years of my life. The last two years I worked at mutual and I walked out of the door on top, I would say. And people would go, why would you do that? Well, I just felt I can pursue my passions. And I'm very happy, very happy. But I also don't mind staying at home. So, you know. And at my point in life, I have a lot of things I need to clean up. I had to really do some fast cleaning in this office when I was going <laughs> to be in here full time. And, and there's still too much junk. <laughs> Yeah, I can attest to having some of that in my, in uh, my office as well. Exactly. So, we all do. <laughs> yeah. So it, it sounds like you, you know, from your tenure at Mutual, from your tenure within the IIBA, you had done enough to prepare yourself for a, a situation where you could go off on your own. But you also have been around the block enough to know that there's cycles within businesses and economies and that kind of thing. So it, it doesn't um, leave you as fearful as it, as it might leave some. Oh, right. And 
I also put my 401k into benefits. So it's not like we're going to starve. You know, I've, I've got a little bit of an advantage there, but I still want to make money. But it's, it's interesting because I did have uh, someone help me build my Google Analytics page, which I didn't know anything about. I finished my piece of it like Monday. And on Tuesday, I got a phone call where someone wants me to mentor them. And at the end of the call, I said to them, where did you find out about me? Because this is not somebody that's even business analysis related. And they said, well, I Googled and that's you came up. And I was like, wow. So you're getting into search engine optimization and (laughs) all all of that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. And and you're active on LinkedIn and uh, you're active within the BA community all of that provides you with a network and with preparation for who knows what, you know? Yes, exactly. I've, I've got a network. And so my name is out there. Now I still have to prove myself. Obviously I have to, you know, I have to perform, but at least I think when you're a known quantity that, that helps a little bit. I just don't know where the adventure is going to lead me, but uh it's it's interesting. Let's talk about sort of the new pivot because you sort of have to pivot after just pivoting. Mm-hmm, exactly. I don't even know if I had pivoted yet because I was I was <laughs> I was home the whole month of February before the world fell off. You know. Well, and you you were sort of envisioning a life of being on the road a little bit and being in person and and that that kind of thing, and so this is kind of causing you to pivot a, a little bit from there. So maybe what adjustments have you, have you made personally in the last say month or two that you, you hadn't necessarily counted on? Well, I had really, I have really consciously the last few weeks networked on LinkedIn and I've networked with a whole large amount of people. It, it seems like that, that the whole world is trying to network on LinkedIn right now. So I just kind of jumped in there. And I I actually have accidentally um, hooked up with like about four people who will probably be very key contacts. One And two of them are in Omaha, Nebraska, which I didn't even know when I hooked up with them. And so it's just really... Right. I think there's fate involved because the one person I actually have had a conversation with and he uh, actually uh, has to do with uh, a business where he wouldn't hire somebody to speak or anything, but he would have contacts where he would be in a position to recommend speakers. And the other person has a TV show in our community where he promotes uh speakers and new business people. So yeah. I'll That's be, fantastic. Yeah. That's so fantastic. We'll be, we'll be meeting quite soon, I hope. Yeah. Well congratulations and that's an even bigger pivot than you were probably thinking oh, of. Right. I didn't even think about that. And so I I probably will maybe uh I've gotten involved with a group that Seneca put together called Coaches Connection. Most of them are from Iowa, but somehow this Cornhusker snuck in here. So 
it was uh it's it's proved very valuable and so uh she's got some plans something we're going to do through her company so that's exciting and and then as i said i'm just gonna start recording things and and who knows i might decide to do a podcast i don't know you know it's but even just little little five minute videos on your you know your youtube channel can sometimes really go a long way i know um Fabricio, who's the president of the Brazil IIBA, has been doing a lot of videos, and he's he's uh, sent a couple of them to me to say, does the English sound okay? And so, you know, I might just start doing those sort of things, and and maybe I'll just put some posts out there, you know, what, what do you BAs want to hear about, or what topics, you know. One of the things I one of the things I need to do is get my Agile certification. I've been talking about that for far too long, so I just need to settle down and do that. Pick a month and just do nothing but that. You know, and yeah, I'll be done. You know, yeah. you can do it. <laughs> I'm sure I can do it. I just need to have enough time without going without sleep or something. Well, you know, and I, and I think that's another thing. Um, that's something that I did shortly after I was sort of working from home full time was I, I thought I need to go get another agile certification. And so I found a way because I knew that probably training wasn't going to be an option for a while and getting it paid for and, and that kind of thing. So I found a good way to go out and get a certification and it took me just a little while and, and that kind of thing. But, but I think, um, you know, sort of the continuous training and the continuous um, networking are the things that will get you through now and whenever the next crisis hits, you know, so. Exactly. Yeah. I'd also like to learn a bit more about cybersecurity that kind of interests me and obviously, you know, data and, cybersecurity is kind of the, the hot topics of the day. So I just need to make sure I don't don't become not relevant. But I'm a lifelong learner, so I think it'll be okay. You know. This has been such an insightful conversation and so much for folks to learn in this episode for um, sustaining a career long term. And so I really appreciate your time tonight. Folks can find you on LinkedIn, and then I want to make sure that we plug your website. Okay. It is Judy Alter, B-A, all lowercase, one word, dot com. JudyAlterBA.com. And also look for Judy on YouTube. For our listeners tonight, your call to action this week is if you liked what you heard today or if something in particular resonated with you, drop us a line at traceabilitypodcast.com or email me at Tracy, T-R-A-C-I-E, at traceabilitypodcast.com and share with us what small and simple thing you're going to do this week to better your BA career. Because uh, here we believe the power is in you to do that. Thanks and hope you'll join us again for the Traceability Podcast. And thank you, Judy Alter. Thank you, Tracy. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm.